Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you by Nationwide Business Capital Group. Nationwide Business Capital Group is a nationwide lender that does all types of creative financing. They're known for their great competitive rates for hard money loans. So if you're looking to fix and flip, if you're looking to fix and rent, if you're looking for commercial loans, bridge loans, lines of credit, if you need creative deals, if you need to get your buyer's finance, there's all kinds of different things. Whatever the situation, it is nothing that they have not seen and worked out for somebody else before. They are one of the most creative lenders in the business. Marianne will take very good care of you if you mention the A-Game podcast. All you need to do is go on www dot nicknick.com slash links and then under affiliates you will see get my real estate deals funded if you click on that it will bring you to their page Marianne will contact you and you guys can start to plug away on how she can help you get your financing so if you're worried about money don't worry about money anymore also we are brought to you by naked warrior recovery cbd if you go on the same www.nicknick.com slash links you will see a promo code for Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. It is run by a Navy SEAL, William Branham. Excellent products, quality products, natural products. Those guys just got done doing a badass swim around Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty from New York to New Jersey. If you follow him at Naked Warrior Recovery on Instagram, you'll see a lot of really cool pictures on that. But jump in, type in promo code A-game, get a discount on that. So today, again, I'm doing another solo episode. I'm trying to get a few of these in every month, but I wanted to talk about property manager. Now, again, there's a lot of different types of deals. There's different property managers all over the country, but what I have found is they can absolutely make or break your experience on your real estate deals, especially when you're new, you don't know any better. And when you're investing remotely, it's a really, really big deal. And one of the things that we've discussed a little bit, I'll go deeper on this in the future again, but you know, with the fix and flips, the contract is really a big piece of what's going to make you crazy. You know, babysitting the contractors all day, having them hit their deadlines, having them get the work done, chasing them around, making sure they're showing up. It's babysitting. It's part of the job. You know, I, I think of it similar as going through the fight camp before you actually get to the fight. That's, that's your three or four months that you have to go through before you get the property on the market. You sell it, you make your check and it's a grind. You know, there's days that you don't want to do it, days you just want to throw in the towel. Then there's days that you're feeling great and people are back on track and they're communicating, but it's just part of the business and it's part of any business. I don't care if you're in technology or you're in real estate or, you know, professional services, hotels, food, whatever it is, dealing with people, dealing with employees. It's the same thing. You're dealing with the same headaches. It's just insert product here. So it's nothing new. It's nothing unavoidable. It's part of what we sign up for as real estate investors. It's part of what we sign up for. If you're a boss with employees, it's just what it is. So on the fix and flip side, again, your, your day-to-day when you're fixing up these properties becomes babysitting your contractors. Now on the rental side, 
it's very similar. It's just instead of the contractors, now you're dealing with the property managers and they could be a massive, massive, massive tool in your tool belt to help you have a better financial experience and help you have better peace of mind through this entire thing and keep you sane so they can literally be your blessing or your curse or the problem and the solution, everything. So you have to learn how to really identify some of the things we're going to talk about. And again, yeah, you can manage your own properties. But to me, that was never what I got into this business for, to fix up my own properties and sell them or to manage my own properties and get calls in the middle of the night for leaky faucets and headaches and dealing with tenants. It's just, it's not worth the money that we get paid for. And, and most of the property managers that I talk to, they'll agree. They'll tell you, like, look, it's, it's a very thankless job. You're dealing with people that are always unhappy. They're never just jumping online or calling you to tell you what a great job you're doing. It's, it's always the nonsense. It's always the problems. You're chasing money. You're fixing things. They're never good enough. So I get it. I don't want to do it. But whoever signed up to do it, if that's the property manager, they cannot be upset that that's what they're asked to do. I, I, I use that analogy a lot. It's like me going into a, you know, a dentist. And asking the guy to get me a piece of pizza. Of course, he's going to tell me to go screw myself. That's not what he did. But if I go in there and I'm like, hey, can you fix my teeth? Don't get mad at me. You decided you wanted to be a dentist. And that's part of what it comes with. It used to drive me nuts all the time in New York City when the cab drivers would get mad at me when I would ask them to take me somewhere. Oh, you're going uptown. I'm going down. Take the hell out of here. Like, I'm sorry. I thought you were a big yellow cab with a sign on it saying that if somebody's looking for a ride, I, I should ask you to get one. And now you're looking at me like, uh, how dare I insult you and think that you're a cab driver that would me around if I asked you. It's just, it's the craziest thing ever. So anyway, long story, but we're going to go over a couple different things here. And again, the same thing I've been saying with the contractors is it's, it's not really a matter of where the property is. It could be right next door or it could be across the country. It's, it's about being able to identify things when they're a problem and handle them at that point. If you handle them at that point, like I was saying in the episode last week, it's going to be annoying. You're going to have those bad days like we talked about but it's still going to be something that can make you money. When you let the property manager continue to communicate bad, continue to walk all over you, to continue to bang you out with expenses that you can't figure out where all your money's going month after month after month, that's how you wind up having a bad deal. That's how you wind up having a money pit. Now you're trying to sell a property that's worth less than it was when you bought it. Now your partners are wondering how they're going to get paid off. Your private lenders are freaking out. You're stressed out. It gets really bad. Again, especially in multi-units. Now, if this is a single family home, I still do use property managers for my single family homes. Like even if it's around the corner, I'm, I'm still going to pay somebody to do that. And I'm factoring those numbers in. So whatever it is going to cost me to have those, those lease losses when they're renting out the properties to a new tenant or whatever I need to put aside for maintenance or whatever I have to pay them on a monthly basis to manage that property and make my headaches go away so I'm not dealing with all the constant headaches and hassles and complaints, I am running those numbers as part of the deal before I buy the deal. So I'll talk to people a lot of the time when they go, oh, you know what? I can't put a property manager in there because if I do that, all my profit's gone. Yeah, you, you probably shouldn't have bought that property. Your, your margins were too tight if you couldn't afford somebody else to manage it because now you've just literally taken on another job. And if you're trying to manage your own properties while you're also working another job and you're trying to handle all your other projects and your wife and kids or husbands and kids or whoever, your dog's getting neglected, it's just it's not a quality of life thing. It's not why you got into this business. So We'll talk about some of the good, some of the bad, and some of the ugly. But first off, a question I get a lot is, can I hire my property manager from Denver that does such a great job to go manage my property in Atlanta, Georgia? 
No, you cannot do that. I need to have people that are local to each market, regardless of what it is. My realtors are local. My property managers are local. My inspectors are local. So my team members that are going to have to physically be dealing with the property or having something to do with the property on a weekly or monthly basis, I want them to be close enough that they can drive and familiar with the area. Because again, a good local property manager that's renting out other homes and other buildings in that exact city, in that exact zip, exact zip code, for a period of time, they're gonna know it's normal. They're gonna know what to deal with over there. They're gonna know what things are gonna be, things that are deal breakers that people are not gonna to wanna to rent those properties or they're gonna move out of the properties or refuse to pay rent. And they're gonna know the things that they can get away with, the things that are acceptable because you will be blown away, especially when you start going into multi-units and you see the way that some people live, the quality of what some of the units are, you might be very surprised by that people are okay living like that. And when you buy it, yeah, I mean, the, there's slumlords and sometimes slumlords, they, they do exactly that. And they take really bad care of the properties and they don't take care of the tenants and they don't give them things like electric and plumbing or, or check on the properties or put any money into giving these people a good quality of life. And a lot of the times the people just don't feel like they have anywhere else to go or anybody to go to, to handle those problems. So, you know, there, there's going to be a huge difference from some of these D neighborhoods to C neighborhoods to B neighborhoods and that version of what people are living in and what people require and what people expect is going to be different again in different neighborhoods. There, there's all kinds of different things. So a local manager is going to be able to pull that data and show you. So again, I am big on data. I've said it a bunch of times, but you know, Chris Kelly, the data, he calls it the data, but I want to be able to see proof of things. Otherwise, it's just an opinion and I'm not going to run my business on opinion. So the same way, if a property manager is going to tell me, especially buying properties, I'm dealing with this right now. I'm one of the uh, apartment buildings I'm wholesaling. It's that we keep being told, well, you know, you can increase the rents. Okay, great. Show me because I'm looking around at other places in the area. I'm looking at the quality of what they could be and they don't look like they're renting a lot higher than what we already have at the rents or what you're saying, like you're telling me 750. I don't see it. I don't see anything higher than 675. I talked to the manager, manager said that they could do it. That's great for the manager. Show me, where do they see that? I need an address. I need a few addresses. Oh, they rented a software. Great. Send me the report. Just like a CMA would be for whether or not I'm going to buy it. So if you can't show me quality of what I can expect to have to fix up that house or those apartments up to, and then show me what I can expect as current market rents for that. It's just an opinion. And I'm not going to buy a property based on opinion. Now, if you can do that, awesome. But I'm going to buy the property based on what I see. So if I see it's 675 and I see that I, I'm only going to fix it up to this certain amount, and then you get more than that, fantastic. That's awesome. But I'm not going to run my numbers based on the best case scenario. I'm going to run my numbers for this rentals based on the worst case scenario. And I have to have proof of that. So local property managers are going to be able to, to supply that for you. And if they can, I'm probably not going to use them. That's going to be a very basic thing. I also want to see that they have a social media presence. So I want to know how are they marketing to tenants? How long have they been dealing with it? What types of credit requirements are there? What types of deposits? Are they just going to rent it to anybody so they can say, look, I filled up your building because getting me a bad tenant to shut me up for one day is not going to be worth it when you have to keep evicting the person and evicting the person and evicting the person. So that's one of the biggest things we'll talk about is tenant screening. But when, I, when I'm looking at my management, I, I want to know that they have that, that healthy outlook for what do you expect in 
And what are you going to require of your tenants? Because we want to get somebody in there that's going to stay in there. And again, there's that healthy balance. So if we can't be overly critical, I have to know my areas. In some areas, credit checks are a big deal. In some areas, they're not. Some, some areas, background checks are going to be deal killers for certain things and other things they're not. But you have to look at it and see what things are they doing. You know, obviously, I don't want to see a lot of violent crime is always going to be an out. You know, you got in trouble for any type of violent crimes or sex crimes or anything like that. I'm sorry, that's going to be a tough sell. But, you know, we did a background check on a guy and he had gotten in trouble for smoking some weed when he was like 18 and now he's in his late 30s and he's got all these references and he's done great jobs and he's he's fixed up all these different homes and he got in trouble for having like a, a couple of drinks and, and driving again years and years and years ago and had nothing in the last 12, 15 years. He's been professional and you know, everybody makes mistakes. One of my my favorite quotes that I see a lot of the time on, on a lot of the social media is every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. So nobody's perfect. And in the age of technology, that can all come out. So when you're looking at who you're going to hire or who you're going to let live in your buildings or who you're going to let work with you or for you, use some judgment because nobody's perfect. But what is their track record? You know, I see there's one or two mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I see you did one or two really great things. Everybody does a couple of great things. But overall, what does the story tell me of your track record? And if I'm going to be okay with that, okay. You know, I'm, I'm not going to keep those things from being deal killers for me. You can live in my apartment. You can fix up my home. You can live in that house. So certain things that you want to have that discussion with. What's a big deal to your management and what's a big deal to you? And everything's negotiable. You have to understand that, that when you're calling property managers and you're telling them, here's what I expect. And they go, well, here's what we do. Here's what we require. Here's what our documents say. Here's what we charge. Here's how we advertise. You can discuss all that. It's all negotiable what they're charging for rents, as long as they're proof, you'd be smart about it, but challenge them on that. You can challenge them on what type of screenings you want, what's important to you, what's not important to you. At the end of the day, understand that your contractors, your realtors, your property managers, you don't work for them, they work for you. And that's a really, really big thing that I need to constantly remind myself that if I'm ever picking up the phone or getting emails from contractors or from property managers, and I'm getting the feeling like, oh man, I just... I'm getting anxiety or I'm getting upset or I'm rolling my, oh my God, here we go. As soon as that phone's ringing and they're bossing me around and they're talking to me like I work for them, I have to stop that right away. That's, that's never going to be a relationship that works out. So I'm going to have to have a couple of conversations. Maybe I won't just fire them right off the bat, but there is going to be a, a shift balance there that I'm going to have to politely and professionally remind them, this is how I expect to be talked to. This is how I expect to communicate. And if you can't fit me or meet me, on that level, then this isn't going to be a good fit. And again, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that they're a bad professional fit for me for the way I need to work. And I've said this about contractors that be slow to hire and be quick to fire your contractors. The property managers are very similar. The people that I know that do high, high level and lots of volume on properties as far as rentals and multi-units, they always say, man, I always regret not getting rid of that property manager sooner. Don't make that mistake. And I'm going through that right now. So it's one of the things is make sure that they're respecting you as the boss. Do your homework on them. Make sure you have data to back up. They're going to get for rents. I don't want just an opinion. And make sure that you set that expectation from the beginning of how you expect to be treated and how you expect them to work and how you expect them to work with you. So these are all very big things for that starter conversation. Now, again, what we're doing when we're looking at property managers, we're looking at any team members, we're doing our best to figure out who's the least likely to screw us. Because at the end of the day, you can do a lot of research online. You can ask for references, but sometimes people can bury stuff online. Sometimes 
we can't find that bad stuff. Or maybe the tenants are posting things because they're great with the tenants, but they're, they're ripping off the landlords. So I really have to do my best to just narrow it down to who do I think and feel is going to be the best to manage this building. The rates make sense. The terms make sense. The screening process makes sense. The accounting process makes sense. Okay, I'm going to hire them. And then I'm going to have to watch them with a very, very close eye that first couple of weeks, that first couple of months. It's especially important because if you start to let them slack on communicating things to you, mysterious charges start showing up. You don't really understand how they're reporting the books or how they're using the software or nothing's popping up on the saw. Oh, you got an account in that folio. Great. I'm looking at it and nothing's in there. Doesn't help me that you, you use that folio and you pay for it. What helps is you're supposed to put real-time data on there and show me what's going on in there. And if you're not doing that, we're going to have to have a conversation. And if I can't have visibility on what's going on every single day on my property, I don't know if you're managing it. So don't expect to be paid if I can't see those things. So it's very, very important to have visibility and make sure that they have a system that they're following and put those things in your contract. So everything you guys are agreeing on and negotiating in the prior stages of that, okay, this looks good, but let's talk about your rates. You want 12%, I wanna give you 8%, we'll settle somewhere around 10%, okay? I want you to, to make sure you go through me and I get three bids for everything starting out, okay? We're all putting that in the property management agreement before we sign them, before we start working. Your contracts are your Bibles. Make sure you get absolutely everything in writing. And again, I want you to have that expectation. So if you start to talk to your property managers and they're telling you, I don't work like this. Great. Thank you. They're doing you a favor by telling you this is not going to work out. So, you know, you don't want to get married. You don't want to have kids. All right. Maybe I'm upset, but I'd rather find out today than five years from now when we're dating and I go, Hey, by the way, what about kids in marriage? Oh, I don't want that. Oh man. I really wish I would have asked this five years ago. Same thing with my manager company. Same thing with any of my team members. I want to make sure I have that expectation up front to find out because again, that doesn't mean that they're a bad property manager. It means that they're a bad property manager for me because we're not on the same side. We're not aligning with the same values of what we want. So I want to have those conversations and don't be afraid to hear bad news. So sometimes you'll be having a great conversation with any team member you're looking to bring on, but maybe I'm talking to my management and they go, look, I have a great social media presence. I have a great website. I have deals coming in every day, but I charge all these fees and I, I expect this and I'm going to want you to do that. And you're not allowed to ask these questions. I say, man, it's kind of a deal killer for me. I'm sorry. It's just not going to work. And they go, you know what? That's right. You know, it is what it is. So you want to have local management. You want to make sure they have a strong social presence website or some sort of a process for filtering in leads. Cause they need to make sure that they're going to be able to get good traffic and be able to get people coming in. And a lot of these cities that I'm dealing in, you have to have a, a real estate license or a broker's license be a property manager. So I want them to be licensed whenever there, there's a, a need for it, just to show that little bit of extra professionalism that they took the extra, they went the extra mile. So everything in writing, have the conversation up front of the expectation of what you want. On average, on the residential side, I'm seeing between eight to 12% is pretty standard for what they will ask for as far as a fee. Now, I usually don't like to pay more than 10% for rents on the residential side. I've gotten it as low as 8%, but 10% is pretty standard. If you go into some of the lower income neighborhoods, some of them might ask for a little bit more. They might go up to 12% just because the rents are lower. But when you get into multifamily, that should be lower. I've seen that lower. I've seen that 3%, 5%, 8%. Again, it's going to depend on how big the building is, how many tenants, how occupied it is. You might have to come up with a different structure initially if you're doing a value add, because maybe you're trying to base everything on collected rents, but the property 
is three quarters empty. So they're not really making any money yet. So they're working their butts off to get it there. So maybe there's a tiered structure as far as, as the occupancy goes up, the wages change. So, you know, case by case things to talk about, but I'll go over some things that are good and bad that I've experienced that will hopefully help you on the property management side. So um, again, have some initial conversations. One of the first tests is going to be communication. So I was just trying to find a, a management company to manage one of these apartment buildings. And I reached out to about five of them. And I said, look, I'm buying a building in a couple of weeks. I got a reference from you from this person. Call me back. Let's talk about your rates. Let's talk about what my needs are. Let's talk about what your expectations are for me. Let's get on the same page and let's do this. And I called them and I called them and I called them and I emailed them and I texted them and I called them and I emailed them and I texted them and I never heard back. And then eventually, oh, hey, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, oh, no, no, sorry about that. I got your message. Hey, I'm going to go over to the property today. Well, don't go over to the property because I don't want you showing up there and then tipping off the tenants that maybe there's a new management coming on yet or a sale going on or anything. Like you look suspicious, just stay away from the building. Any of the things that you're going to need as far as pictures, occupancy rates, financials, I can send you all that. Way before we talk about going to the property, I can get you all that stuff. Okay, great, no problem. Don't hear from them for days and days and days. Then all of a sudden I get pictures and videos back. Hey, I just went by the property. Excellent. You suck at communication. You don't listen to the most basic of directions. All I said was don't go to the property. And all you did was go to the property. You're out. This is not going to be a good fit for me. I'm sorry. Thank you for showing me. You have no ability to communicate with me or follow my directions on day one. Because I wouldn't want to be six, seven months into that building to find out all these things that I said not to do that you did and all this money that ran out the door and all these tenants that weren't happy because now instead of having a bad day, like I talked about last week, I'm um, sorry, a bad deal. I have a bad day. I'm pissed off at the guy. I didn't find my management company today. The guy didn't send the directions, but now I can get another one before it's a big deal before I have a bad property. So it's one of the things is give them very basic tasks to follow and set them up for success. But if they can't follow the most basic of directions by calling you back, returning your phone calls, returning your emails, if they're a hungry property manager and you have a building that you want them to manage and after two or three or four calls or emails or text messages, you're waiting days to get back to them and there's not a good excuse, they're out. Find another one. I, I don't care. You have to. It's just, it's never going to get any better. Again, remember, this is the first date. And on the first date, they're showing up with stains on their shirts and texting other people. It's just, it's not going to work out. So first test, communication. Now, if they are going to communicate well, okay, great. This sounds good. We're on the same page. It seems like you know what you're doing. You manage other properties in the area. You've done some initial research on the property. You have some people you think you can move in. You have maintenance on site. You have backup maintenance on site. Now we're going to look at what your rates are. Okay, you're charging 10%. Now, one of the things I look for, I only want to pay based on collected rent. So especially on a lot of these buildings, there's only one property I've agreed to do this with. And to my property manager in Georgia, if you're listening, you are amazing. You're outstanding. You have been an absolute blessing. That's exactly the types of things I'm trying to look for. But other ones, especially when they're starting out new, and they go, well, look, I'm going to charge for vacant units. It doesn't really work for me because... What you're basically saying is you get paid if you don't go to work. So if you're making, let's say on a $400 a unit is one of the units we're talking about, and you get 10% for a collected rent, that means you're making $40 a unit. And now you're telling me you get $35 for vacant units. So if you're going to make $5 more to work, to show up on the weekends, to take care of the tenants, to do screenings, to do showings, all these things for an extra $5, 
if it's me, I'm probably going to stay home and I'm just going to collect 35 a unit. And if somebody happens to be a lay down, cool, but I'm not going to go out of my way. So it's setting a bad precedent. And initially what I did was I had a conversation with this property manager and I said, well, just interested to why. And her, her thing was, well, I don't make money on vacant units. Well, kind of do, but okay, let's, let's discuss this a little bit further. She goes, well, I send in an inspector every single week to take pictures and videos to make sure that nobody's breaking into the units, trashing the units, squatting in the units, stealing stuff from the units. Okay, that, that's a valid, valid thing, especially when you're doing value adds and you're, you're transitioning into a different clientele and you're getting some people out, some new people in, fixing up some units. It's a concern. You don't want people kind of getting in and, and sneaking in and vandalizing these units that you just fixed up. So that makes sense. So for $35 a month to get four reports every month to ensure that A, now I know that they're showing up and keeping an eye on a building, B, they're showing up and they're looking at those units, which means they probably have a vested interest in getting somebody in there when every single week they're paying somebody. They're not making that money. They're paying out that money to have somebody go out and do that. It's an expense. Okay, now I get it. So I put in the contract, this vacant unit comes with a clause that I need to see these pictures and videos every week. So all of a sudden, three weeks go by. Nobody's been to the property. She's lying to me, telling me that the, the vacant, all the units are destroyed. Somebody came in and stole everything. You need to redo everything. Great. That's your opinion. Show me the pictures. Couldn't supply pictures. Couldn't supply videos because she was lying. And then all of a sudden, now I finally am able to get into these units. They're fine. Clean them out. Paint them. Nothing. It was all lies. The, the locks were still on. They hadn't changed the locks. So she wasn't doing what she said she was going to do. Now there's no trust. It's never going to get any better can't save that once that happens. Once I've already found out now that you're lying to me about going to the property, lying to me about checking on the property, you're not performing according to the contract, and you are trying to just take the vacant unit money, no good, I'm sorry. That's strike two, three, four, five, and six, and we just started working together. It is never going to work out. I had another property manager, same thing. So this is a really key thing here that I want you guys to do that worked out well for me. Hold them accountable. So another uh, 66 unit that I had sold, I bought a new property manager and I would say, Hey, where are you? Your hours are 12 to five Monday to Friday. Oh, I'm at the building. Then I check in with the other guy at the building. Where is she? She's not here. Okay, great. So here's how we're going to find out because now I went through a week and the entire first week, all the things that we said was going to get done, three apartments were going to get fixed. Three apartments were going to get cleaned out. The exterior was going to get painted. The dumpster was going to get removed, whatever it is. I have my list on Monday, Friday. That's not done. Why? Where's my pictures? Where's my videos? So what we did was we set up that every day when this property manager goes into work to make sure she's at the property, she's going to FaceTime my assistant, not me. I don't want that. She's going to FaceTime my assistant, who is awesome, by the way. Thank you. Um, and she's going to show her, hey, here, here I am. I'm at the property. It's 12 noon. Here's my top three things for today. I'm going to get the dumpster removed. I'm going to evict the tenant in, in unit one, and I'm going to Sign the lease papers for the tenant unit two and clean that whole unit out. Great. Five o'clock, you're done. FaceTime me at the end of the day at five o'clock. Five o'clock, FaceTime. Hey, it's me. I'm done. I'm in unit one. Look, look, there's the eviction notice on the door. Hey, I'm in unit two. Hey, look, looking beautiful, ready to move in. Here's the, here's the lease sign. Here's the place moved out. Uh, the, all the things moved out of there. It's looking great. And hey, here's the dumpster gone. Here it is. They took it away. Here's my three things for the day. Awesome. Check. You can go home. Every single day, FaceTime me when you go in, give me your top three things that you need to accomplish for the day. And then before you leave for that day, FaceTime me and show me that those things were not done. If you are not capable of doing that, uh, payroll next week, 
if there was one or two days you didn't do that, you're going to get paid for three days work. Don't be mad at me. We signed. We set those rules. This is the expectation. Literally, you can train your children, two, three years old, FaceTime mommy and daddy when you wake up and say good morning. He's on a business trip. FaceTime mommy and daddy before you go to bed. He loves you. He misses you. A little kid can do that and a property manager or contractor can't. Sorry. If you can't follow the most basic of, the, of, of instructions of FaceTiming me with your three priorities and showing me that you did what you said you were going to do, first week when they don't get paid, they're going to be really pissed. I'm pissed. You're mad at me that I didn't pay you. I'm mad at you that you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And I have to hold them tight in that leash. And you're either going to get one or two things. They're going to adapt and they're going to do exactly what you ask. And they're going to be great. Or they're going to get really defensive, really nasty, which is exactly what happened with this one property manager. She gave my, I fired her. She gave my number out to all the tenants. It was a mess. This other one that's playing games over here. Um, you know, when I called her out on the expenses, she started cursing at me at the top of her lungs in the middle of the parking lot. Okay. So I said to her, I go, okay, I appreciate it. Have a great day. So let's stop the conversation right there. You're going to scream in my face and curse at me at the property with the tenants around. Now you're trying to act like I work for you and I'm doing something bad for you where I'm just asking you what's going on with my money. Why aren't these units rented? Where did all the money go that you collected for rent? If you're going to flip out on me, it's probably because you're mad that you got caught because you have a guilty conscience. So if you were calm and had an explanation and more logical and rational, that would, I, I would be listening to that. But you're not going to act unprofessional like that. Nothing is good is going to come from that. So pay attention to the way people act. Pay attention to the track record because people make mistakes. I'm okay with mistakes. But usually when they're not doing what they say they're going to do, those things are going are to pop up. So again, I'm looking at the data. I have to, especially that first couple of weeks, really hammer down. And it's, it's very basic. It's very simple. But having them do these things from the beginning is easier because I'm dealing with a few different properties right now that I'm buying from other people. And they let it just get off the rails, not even intentionally. Little thing here, little thing there, little thing here, little thing there. And then you start to go, hey, I'm, I'm looking. Because remember, when you go to sell these properties or refinance these properties, they're going to want to see financials on them. And all of a sudden now, if they're going, well, what happened this month? There's no, there's no income coming in this month or the expenses are through the roof this month that everybody move out this month. Like what's going on? If you can't justify or explain what happens, you might blow the appraisal. You might blow the loan. You might not be able to sell the property. You might have to deduct from that value. And now you take a hit on whatever your potential profit was. There's a lot of things that can happen from that, but it comes from now. If you look three, four, five, six months down the road and they're trying to catch up for things from before, they're forgetting to do things in March or they're popping in on April it's really hard to backtrack. It's really hard to go back down. And now it's going to hurt you when you go to resell the property. So these are all things, you know, you need to have visibility. You need to have professionalism. You need to have full disclosure. You need to test them with basic daily tasks of accountability and communication. And if they can't do that, or they get emotional and trigger a, a crazy response, uh, unprofessional response, cursing, yelling, screaming, defensive, accusing you of stuff. It, it's, it's listen to your gut. I've learned these lessons the hard way. Cut it off now because these things that are popping up on this one property, that first week when I went, oh man, three, four, five red flags, I'm going down there. Yeah, that sucks. I'm mad. Again, bad days versus bad deals. I'm having a bad day because I don't want to go visit that property. But you know what? I had to show up because I know if that goes another month and another month and another month, it turns into a nightmare. And I don't want a bad property. I have money I've taken out on that. I have people relying on me to sell that. 
I need to put my big boy pants on as an entrepreneur and go and handle business. And that's exactly what I did. Whatever it takes, I need to go over there and get it done. So I go over there and I handle it to make sure that I get those things taken care of, but I do it right away. So yeah, that was a bad month. Okay, but it's taken care of now. And I handled it when it was this big of a problem, not when it's a massive problem that now I can't get out of or can't get control of. And now all my, pro all my tenants moved out. So it's about handling things when they're manageable, when they're bite-sized problems before they swallow you whole. That's really what this comes down to. And you can find these things, but be prepared when you start to feel this negativity and this resistance and a battle every day and every time they call, get rid of them. And it's like any relationship, you're going to be happier. And so I'm going to have to get rid of this property manager. I have a new one lined up I talked to today and I'm sure I'm going to have that same feeling of, man, I wish that I would have just started with this other person, but this is what you learn. As an experienced real estate investor, an experienced entrepreneur, we don't not have bad contractors. We don't never have bad property managers. We just identify the red flags of what, the, what that turns into a lot sooner. So I can already see down the road a lot faster because I know those triggers of, okay, they're doing X, Y, and Z. I've seen this 15 times. I know what this is going to turn into. I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to stop it right now and get a hold of it while I still can. And that's how you're able to salvage things. That's how you're able one bite at a time, one day at a time to save your deals and find the right people. And I had a very upfront conversation with my new manager. Hey, here's exactly why I'm bringing you on. Here's the exact things I'm concerned about that went wrong with this one that I need to make sure are not going to go wrong with you. And we had a very upfront conversation. I said, look, if, if I'm putting you in a bad spot right now and I'm telling you this is what I need in this amount of time, maybe that's too much. Maybe you have too many other properties on right now and this isn't a good fit. Nope, nope, nope. Totally understand. I said, great. Now that we talked, I'm going to go and I'm going to adjust our agreement to reflect the things we just talked about. I'm going to send it over, make sure it's good. And if we're all good, we get back on the phone tomorrow and we start to handle this together on the same team, on the same side every day. This is my expectation. What's your expectation of me? No, we're good. You know, I met you. I talked to you. Everything you're saying sounds good. Okay, great. Now we're on the same team. Now I don't want it to be all doom. I will tell you the property managers that are good property managers are such a savior such a breath of fresh air. My, my property manager in Georgia is absolutely awesome that all I have to do is show somebody my phone. I go, look, I don't get the headaches. My property manager, she does an amazing job taking care of my headaches for me. She's paid to take care of that stuff. So at the end of the month, I trust her. I know she's not taking advantage of me. I've been working with her long enough to know that if something needs work, she's going to get me a good price on it. She's going to get bids on it. She's going to send me somebody that's going to do it right, not somebody that's just going to bang me out. She doesn't make money by taking advantage of me for repairs that don't need to be done and having some crazy thing with the contractors. And that's another thing is make sure if they're going to have those expenses, I need to see that those things are laid out. I want to know who got paid, what they got paid, how many hours. I want to see that those things were, were paid off. Don't just send me a... a, a an Excel sheet saying that you sent money to these people. And now I have no money. That does not work for me. I need proof of that. I ask you for proof of that and you get mad. Red flag, probably getting mad because you spent that money and you don't want me to ask you about it because you don't have it and you stole it. That's what happens, but not with this Georgia manager. Literally, that's what you want is, hey, Nick, money's in the account. Have a great day. Hey, Nick, money's in the account. Have a great day. Hey, Nick, money's in the account. However, we talked about the tree or we talked about the gutters or we talked about the back deck. We took out $220, just like you said, take it out of the rent. Here's the expense. Here's the pictures of the before and after. Here's the invoice. Have a great day. That's what I want. I want them putting quality people in there of, hey, the tenant wants to renew. I put them in there for two years. They love it there. You love them there. I love having them there. 
we really don't have any headaches. Every now and then we'll have a small issue. We'll handle it. I already know what you want. I already know you want a couple of different bids. I know this can get it done. I know that can get it done. Money's in the account. Have a great day. That's the kind of real estate you really want. When you get a good property manager in there, that's going to keep eyes on that property. That's going to be honest. That's going to be open. That's going to have full visibility on everything that's going in and coming out. They're going to properly screen good tenants in there. They're going to communicate with you the way that you want to communicate with you, especially on the multi-unit side. Again, they're filling up that building. They're creating a culture. They're working with you. You guys are on the same team. Both of you, you and the manager want a stress-free building of happy tenants and happy people that are paying the rent and their apartments are taken care of. You're not being a slumlord and not taking care of things and giving them a bad place to live. They're not being crappy tenants and destroying things and dealing drugs out of there and all these things. And that's when you start to have good days and good wins. And again, you just have to make sure you run your numbers to make sure that you're putting in whatever the, the margins are going to be to hire a good manager. And also put the margins in our rentals for those vacancies and deferred maintenance factors because things are going to go wrong. Water heaters are going to bust. There's going to be leaks, new faucets. Things are going to pop up. So as you're having a deal that's still going to positively cash flow and you can set aside a maintenance reserve and a management reserve, when these things pop up, it's not a big deal. You have extra money in the account because you're positively cash flowing. If your rentals or your apartment buildings are bleeding money every single month, we should talk because maybe there's ways that we can adjust certain things or switch things around or put different people in place and make that a positive cash flowing asset. So that's what we're looking to do now. I wanted to go to all kinds of different stories on property management because I have some absolute nightmares on property management and I have some great stories on property management and I've learned a lot over the years and I'm still learning every day how to handle those things. So hopefully some of those key things I put in there about having a good local management company in there, making sure they have good contact, good communication, daily tasks, visibility of all the things that are going on, using things like Appfolio or um, I think RentTech is another one. There's all kinds of different softwares in there and having an upfront conversation about what the expect expectation is from them of how they screen the tenants, how much communication you need, how you want maintenance to be done, how you want um, things to be fixed, how you want bids to be taken and vice versa, how they want you. And then you put all those things in writing and then you have good solid communication, especially when the relationship first starts out. Have talks every other day, get pictures, send people in, spend the extra time, show them that you care, learn about what they're doing. Keep on top of them though. Keep them on a very tight leash when they first start because when, not if, they start slacking off or they start lying to you about expenses, you're gonna be mad, you're gonna catch it. But you catch it when it's a small problem and you get the bad out and you get the good in and you handle it and you still have a great deal and you still have a great day. Hopefully, uh, there was some good value for you guys there. I hope everybody's staying well, doing well, staying healthy. Again, please write to me, podcast at nicknicknick.com. If you have anything you'd like me to cover, um, I try and keep these short so it's, it's hard sometimes to go into a topic like management or a topic like contractors to really get out in a half an hour. So I can do longer versions of these, but hopefully you're getting something from these. We've got some good guests coming on. Uh, this weekend, we had David Faustino married with children. Hopefully you guys like that. Please, please, please take one minute, Google the A-Game podcast. It'll come up with something for iTunes. When you go on iTunes, there'll be something at the bottom. If you scroll down, that says leave a review. If you could please, please just give a five stars and put a quick review on there. It goes a long, long way for helping the podcast get ranked, which helps it get out there more, which helps get sponsors, which helps it grow. It really just goes a long way. If you have any questions, uh, send them over to me, podcast at nathanthick.com. Everybody have a safe and happy weekend. Please check out the sponsors. Please check out um, the 
Uh, iTunes link to leave a review. And congratulations to Baldwin's finest, Chris Weidman, on a big win this weekend versus a very, very tough Dagestani fighter. He pulled out the W. It was a grind of a fight. It was an absolutely amazing, outstanding card. Chris has been on the show. He's been a friend and a training partner for a very long time. Great family, great person, great fight. Could not be prouder of him getting up there and proving all those doubters wrong. Do not doubt him. Congratulations, Chris Weidman. Congratulations, Ray Longo. Congratulations, Matt Sarah and the whole law MMA and Sarah Longo team. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he has also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-0167. Again, text drummer to 833-482-0167 for your free Drum lesson.